da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Got a little whodunit talk on that about movies this week. And uh, so that's my question is whodunit with the uh, Mav City Edition uniform? Guys, whodunit? Yeah. Because I need to, we need to find out who is responsible <laughs> and yep, promptly yeah. hold them accountable for their actions. Yeah, because we tried and executed. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Lakers fans, if you're trying to watch LeBron yeah. and Luka Doncic, and you had to check that out, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll hire Benoit Blanc, and we'll get right down, right down to it. Richard and I have a running bit. It's more like a therapy than anything else, but uh, Danny Green, who plays for the Lakers, is a noted Mavs killer. He just... It's like if he could play the Mavs 82, 82 times a year, he would average 37 points a game or something. He just he sees us and he lights up. And early in that game on Sunday, he hit this stupid, ridiculous double clutch three. And I, Richard and I both were like, well, I was kind of hoping the jerseys would distract him and make him not realize that he's playing the Mavs. But I guess... I guess he knows. <laughs> you secretly hope they lose every game that they're wearing those uniforms. I so was. That, I was yeah. a little bit bummed. Yeah, Richard does, yeah. yeah. Luca goes like 0 for 20, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, while he's wearing that jersey. It'll be great. And then he, like, just like Jordan at halftime when he switched from 45 <laughs> to 23, he puts on the regular one and just trains everything. <laughs> uh, That'd be so kind good. of amazing, yeah. I'd be down for that. Well, um, yeah, a little... Oscar kind of talk, small budget movie. Feels like we haven't talked a movie of this size in a while, although it did uh, win the weekend. And uh, we got a little Knives Out talk. And the last time we talked, Ryan Johnson um, was probably it last didn't win week. the weekend, by the way. Frozen still, Frozen yeah. 2. Still oh, Frozen 2. Yeah. Um, but it Knives won out, of, new, of it, new movies. Yeah, it won. Uh, it, 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 let's just say it, it beat its own it expectations. Well. Yes. Yeah, it did, did very well. well for itself. Very and. Well. Uh, yeah. And was uh, was very well attended and all that and well received, and it's funny because of um, you know, like I said, we probably talked to Ryan Johnson last week because of the Last Jedi seems to come up a lot on the show, but um, we're all big Ryan Johnson fans. We were prior to that movie. I think we all still are. Um, maybe he should stray away from doing franchise films or trying to do, you know. Uh, system movies maybe he should just do auteur like write and direct my own thing and do lower budget independent movies and sell them at in the film festival circuit and and be be great and that's what he's good at and and this is no different so uh it's good to see him kind of return to form in that aspect apparently he's he's uh um had this brewing for a while in his mind as far back as his first film he's wanted to do this kind of movie so it's cool to see knives out finally make it to the screen but to review this uh movie we've got a viper vip joining us um eddie what's up eddie hey man uh not much just waiting to talk about uh, a little bit of knives out i was looking forward to this one and uh I was glad to see that there was a slot open for it because uh, it was it was either something that uh, I wanted to talk about something I knew I was really going to like or something that I was really going to dislike. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. luckily, it, it ended up uh, on the on the right side of that coin. Same. Yes, yeah. you stuck with Hellboy reboot or something like that. <laughs> oh, no. you know, uh, don't get there me was, started. There was on not. That. A, there were some. It was very hit or miss this year. Let's just say, like a, it was like walking through a land, uh, you know, field of landmines this year when it came to picking <laughs> movies to review. It's like. 
you never really know. So it's good to have you, Eddie. And uh, man, I'm excited to talk about this movie. But we should talk general thoughts and and all that before we get into spoilers, because this one, guys, can get really spoiler-filled very easily. So listener, be advised that we could get spoiler-filled um, at any time, and uh, we'll try and give you an alert before that happens. So uh, we'll pass around the um, knife, if you will, <laughs> and uh, we'll give Richard the floor here and uh, see what he had to say in general thoughts about Knives Out. Yeah, I mean these are these are the kind of movies I always look forward to the most. Like you said, it's not based on a property. I love the kind of mid budget. We've had two this month, maybe the only two of the year between um, this and Ford and Ferrari. Like not really a low budget film, but I think this cost forty million plus marketing. Yeah, uh, these kind of throwback in that in that regard uh, in terms of in terms of budget and and I love mysteries and who does. I'm actually I have a recommend later on kind of along these lines. Uh, I, I like I, I love a good whodunit, and they don't make a ton of these, at least not in this sort of overt way. And, and they probably shouldn't. It'd be ridiculous if we did a a full whodunit every every year. But I think uh, the success of Mur- Murder on the Orient Express a couple years ago financially mm-hmm. did pretty well and critically. Uh, kind of gives legs that there's an audience for something like this. So if we could have one of these every three or four years, I'm I I sure am on board. And uh, it's such a good it's such a good showcase for actors and a, a wide variety of actors and actresses, and uh, it can really play to a, to a, to a cast really well. So I enjoyed this quite a bit as much as I thought. Well, I don't. It's hard to say with um, with with no spoilers, but it's it's funnier than I anticipated. I mean, I kind of could tell there was a comedic tone with with Daniel Craig in the trailer, but the kind of like. Um, the influencer satire and stuff like that was was <laughs> funny to me and there's a lot of satirical humor in this which which I, I these things if you don't have that that's what makes clue such a fun movie is that it's not afraid to be silly where it needs to be uh so but without further further ado brian uh, what do you think yeah i'm with you man like this is i was trying to even think in my head of like besides murder on the orient express what was the last who done it we we got in a in a movie it's it just it doesn't happen very often and when it does it seems like it seems like you kind of take that tone and the tropes that go with that and just mix it into a horror movie and that's what we get instead right. of a more kind of a classic style of of who done it is you get like i don't know like scream 3 you know or something uh, like that or um what was that that happy death day to you was kind of in that vein a little bit so you just you take some of those ideas and those tropes and then you turn it into a horror movie i don't love horror movies so i was excited to see this and i'm totally with you rich like if they if this was a if you replaced all superhero movies with whodunits i would be super tired of them very yeah. very quickly yeah. um but when you get one every year or two it's it's it really feels completely different and it's it's a uh, it, it, you know, you're sitting in your theater and you're like, man, I have not had a theater experience like this in a couple of years. Like this is a totally different thing. And I, and I, I think that helps this movie's really good and I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, but I do, I, you know, in the back of my mind, I wonder, would I still enjoy this as much as I did if, um, I was seeing this kind of movie on a frequent basis. And I, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I love this cast. I thought it was great work on that front. Um, you know, I I am 
quite fine with Ryan Johnson's work on on Last Jedi and Star Wars stuff, and he wants if he wants to stay involved in that, that's great. But I don't think there's any question that he's at his best when he's kind of playing in his own sandbox and getting to create everything that he wants to do. And uh, I I love so much somebody who can take a small or mid budget and turn it into something that looks great, feels great, has a great cast. Uh, the writing on this is superb. It's just real sharp and witty. It never leans too far into, you know, being cheesy or being serious or in any of those things. It mixes its tones very well, I think, and uh, and a great cast. So Daniel Craig was awesome. Um, it's that was kind of the last thing I'll say. Then we can move on. Da- Daniel Craig, whether he's doing a comedy, he's doing this or Logan Lucky or something like that, or he's doing a Bond movie or anything in in between. You can always tell when he is engaged and when he's having fun whether it's a fun movie or not a fun movie it's not like you look at those bond movies and it's not just that uh casino royale is really good skyfall is really good specter is really meh and then quantum solace is is probably pretty meh it's not just that those films are what they are it's that you can kind of tell within the performance that like man, he was really locked in on this one, and he was really not locked in on this one. But when he's engaged, he's kind of like Sean Penn in that way. It's like when he's engaged, um, there are probably better actors, but there are very few people who are more uh, interesting and charismatic on screen, and this was this was one of those. He was super there for it, and I, I love that. I love seeing him when he's in that space. So I had a blast with this. I'm gonna. I'm probably going to grade it very high. I'm excited to talk to you guys about it tonight. But uh, but Eddie, what about you, man? What's your general thoughts on on Knives Out? Well, um, I saw the preview way back, like months and months ago, and uh, really thought that it looked very interesting. Um, and I was saying uh, earlier, I'm a little bit older, and so I grew up. It seemed like there was one of these huge ensemble kind of whodunit films all the time. So I I kind of have an aversion to them. <laughs> I just remember them sort of always being on, you know, in my childhood. But something about this was really interesting to me. And I think it was because uh, just looking at so many of these people who appeared to be uh, kind of playing against type. Um, and and, and I, I expected it to sort of take the kind of whodunit genre and maybe turn it on its head, which he kind of does, but he does it in a really subtle way, so you still really keep that, but he makes it just uh, different enough that it it, it it doesn't go off the rails. Uh, it's it's not doesn't lean too heavily into the comedy, but that's really consistent throughout the the heart of the story is still always pretty serious. so you know the, the stakes are pretty high. Um, but everyone playing uh, comically as they did, and uh, you know Daniel Craig, I mean just kudos to him I, I thought he was really amazing in this role and you talk about having fun uh when he goes into that uh the donut uh, monologue that's <laughs> I, i'm not sure I've, I've laughed that hard all year that was just truly hysterical and i know he was loving that moment um but it was also great to see chris evans because we got to see sort of two sides of him uh midway through his performance not to go into spoilers or anything he you know we see a little uh, more of what we expect from him and then you know he reverts back to sort of the character that he started out being um strong performances uh and i think that's a you know major um 
a trick to to pull off for a director. So he's, I feel like he can really do just about anything. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, it's it'd be cool to see him do another one of these, uh, Ryan Johnson. And he said, uh, if this movie was successful, that he would return to the well and do like another Benoit Blanc movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love I'm, to see that. I'm That's all a for that. Sign, man. I yeah. want a Benoit Blanc cinematic universe now. Absolutely. Um, Sign me up. Man, we saw Daniel Craig a little bit of this in Logan Lucky a few years ago at this this style of performance, this comedic, like almost country hick, uh, southern accent, Daniel Craig. And I was just in love with that uh, aspect of, of his personality. And to have that again in this setting was amazing. And... Um, I'm I'm all for Daniel Craig for best actor or whatever you want to give him for this. Uh, it was all, he was amazing and was by far my favorite part, um, which is uh, you know difficult to say because there's so many great performances in this. And you're right, Richard. These these films do lend themselves to performances uh, very easily, but you know at the same time, I think these movies can really fall apart easily when it comes to bad writing and um, they can get cheesy really easily very cliche very easily um and i thought this was exceptionally written um and very simple you know simple setting simple plot and um really got to know the characters uh you know the the i guess the use of the interrogation um and the police questioning is really an inventive way to you know, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, okay, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a very natural way for to to learn about the characters without file scenes, you know, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, loved that, and uh, so so much f- humor in that too. Uh, how much I loved uh, all the characters going back and telling their versions of what happened, and then seeing that play out on screen, you know, and you know, like when they cut to. Uh, you know, that opening shot of the movie, I guess, is all of them around with a birthday cake. And then I guess Michael Shannon's character is telling his version. And then that's that same shot that, like, he's sitting next to him with the birthday cake, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the attention to detail on some of those uh, things was, was amazing. Just the, 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 the insert shots that they had, you know, the little close-ups all throughout the movie, the way it was edited together was was great and all really lent to the um, to the style of of what they were going for here this really reminded me richard of of ready or not that we uh that we saw earlier yeah. this year this in the style and the totally. you know um i remember i'd seen a trailer for this when that came out and i was like that kind of te- teed me up for this even more because this is a better more charismatic film right mm-hmm. this was way more of a character uh exploration and and all that um certainly reminded me of that just in the ornate setting of the house totally. and and the uh, you know the rich family and all that and and the and and um, oh the music especially reminded me of it so um, so yeah go check out Ready or Not if you want a more horror version of uh, of this it's a very it's not it's not the same plot or anything like that but it's kind of in the similar style and uh, and all that but that came out in uh, in 2019 so yeah man I love the class warfare element of this too with the Marta character mm-hmm. and. This is the year of class warfare films, or great ones too, I guess, you know, with this and Us and and Ready or Not, I guess, and then we've got Parasite, you know, still to, still to come this year that we're talking about. So mm-hmm. these satire, um, 
class warfare movies have done really well in my opinion and uh, this kind of a new genre of thriller you know is the uh, economic uh thriller you know where the mm-hmm. uh the lower class gets revenge on the upper class and vice versa or um their their fa- their faults are kind of exposed to the masses uh you know these mass corporations like this guy i guess he runs a publishing company you know it's like it's kind of a william randolph hearst kind of a stephen king type thing you know got going on um and i, I guess michael shannon's character is like the writer or uh you know the his dad or they own the company and all that but um yeah it's it's funny to see all the uh all the things they comment on and the the one thing and i want your opinion on this brian it that that might not age well for this movie because i felt like this movie and these types of movies do have a kind of timeless quality to them mm-hmm. was the uh i wrote it down here they i think they make make use of um twitter um they have a you know retweets uh, comments uh, like they talk about going and seeing hamilton and yeah. they talk about like somebody getting ig uh i'm, I'm live on ig or something mm-hmm. like that um yeah and i think uh you know tony colette uh joni was her name in the movie mm-hmm. uh, her character was an influencer but i just felt like that maybe is the one thing that we're going to look back even in five years and be like oh that's kind of yeah weird maybe th- yeah. I guess the argument, and then I'll throw it over to you, Eddie, the, the, the argument against that or the counterpoint would be all of that stuff is kind of done in a way that makes those people look stupid. Like, <laughs> right, that's uh, true. you know, mm. it's, it's Don Johnson being like, remember that from Hamilton, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> okay, dude, and you're, you're rolling your eyes at him and stuff. And similar to, to Tony Collette's entire care. I mean, everything she does is, <laughs> is uh, you know, is foolish and, and it's, I think it's played that way to point out like how how stupid how ridiculous these people are. Right, it so could land yeah, in a different way yeah. five years from now. Yeah, joke, sure. Right? And, and so maybe that doesn't hit as hard when you're watching this for the first time, you know, in ten or fifteen years. And also, they kind of I notice, and I honestly, you know, I don't notice that stuff all that much typically in the moment. But this was one where I was like, they really are kind of soft playing the technology on this. There's not a whole lot of beyond these little references that you mentioned there. Um, they don't play too hard on you, you. I mean, even like the cars and stuff, except for the cop cars, her car is an old Hyundai and um, his uh, Chris Evans car is a, is a classic Beamer and sort of, so it's like, it will have a bit of a time. And then the rest, most of the movie is taking place inside this old mansion. So there will be a timeless quality to it just based on, based on that. But Eddie, did you we, want to add something to that? Yeah, you hit on a couple of points that I wanted to, to hit on for sure. Uh, I'll start with the technology thing. It was it cracked me up that all of the security footage was on this old VHS tape and uh, it even had yeah. like Radio Shack logos on right. and everything. That was that was killing me. But I think the other thing about um, what he's with his writing, he the way he's able to flesh these people out really in such a short time with the these interrogation scenes we learned so yeah. much about these people we we get the juxtaposition of um tony collette's character uh and jamie lee curtis's character because uh jamie lee curtis actually read the article but tony collette read a tweet about an article <laughs> you right. know so sure. you, right there yeah. you sort of get that and then he throws in that uh where she says uh that's the very nugget of flam and, you know, I'm just thinking, I, I guess that was a take on goop or, or whatever that yeah. was, but that was killing me. And I felt like he was really, really good about slipping these things in so we could really quickly get to 
mm-hmm. you know, to form an opinion about these characters. And the Don Johnson thing talking about um, Hamilton, um, you know, because everything about him is so non-Hamilton, but he's like, oh, yeah, and I saw Hamilton. <laughs> it was just killing me. I thought, I thought Don Johnson, he's somebody else I should have mentioned earlier. I thought he was fantastic in this. Yeah, man, he's been yeah, he's kind of on the a little bit of a a, a renaissance with uh, even as far back to like Django and stuff. But he's in Watchmen. Yeah. He's got a couple of things, and he's he's good, man. Like he he's got um, he's able to he's got like almost an inherent cheesiness about him, and part of that may just be that he comes from Miami Vice and Nash Bridges and stuff. But there's a <laughs> There's like a yeah, it's I forgot about Nash Bridges. <laughs> um it's not it's not quite like a used car salesman sort of feel griminess to him. But he has a little bit of that. Yeah, sure. So he's got a little bit of that to him and <laughs> and that's that's can be used really well on screen when you know how to use it. And if you get directors that know how to use it and if you are willing to use it. He he's been I mean, I very much enjoyed him in these supporting roles. He's great in this. Um yeah, he just and seems he's really probably the I don't know the eighth best part of the movie as far as the mm-hmm. cast goes. I mean, it's a, it's just such a, str- a strong cast all the way down. That, um, but the, man, he he they, they use him extremely well. Ryan yeah. Johnson did. And, and Richard, uh, I did read that they're they are seriously considering a reboot of Nash Bridges. Oh wow, <laughs> that's a that's a true thing. <laughs> well, it's Steve Nash, and he wants to become an architect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Perfect. Mikhail Bridges is with him, so yeah. Out well. Yeah, Jeff Bridges is involved. It's great. It's Steve. It's Nash slash Bridges, and it's them and their two cops. Nash Bridges. All right, man. But they're investigating the paranormal. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's like RIPD. It's great. You do a nice little pocket pass there, man. <laughs> so, um, how how much further should we get into this before we get spoilery? Because hit, I want to talk. That spoiler alarm, I want to talk about say, some of the yeah. plot. All right, yeah. spoilers coming up now for Knives Out. Uh, we're going to talk about who done it. So, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, go see it. All right, here we go. Trying to spoil it. Um, so this one had a lot of twists and turns. It was uh, funny how self aware it was. Uh, you know. Often subverting expectations can be a bad thing, and Ryan Johnson is living proof of that, you know. But often it can be a good thing, and this movie is living proof of that, you know. And Ryan Johnson, I think, uh, in the right setting, uh, knows what he can. The I, I guess the power of that uh, that plot device. So it was it was interesting to see where he would stop here with it, and how far he would go with uh, with um, who done it and. I really enjoyed how it unraveled. Um, it kept me guessing. Um, ultimately, I think it kind of played its card, dealt its hand, I guess, a little early, but then at the same time didn't, which was clever, you know? And I love the uh, the um, reference of donut inside a donut or whatever he was ca- <laughs> talking about, uh, Benoit Blanc. And so I liked all that. But Richard, uh, Brian... Whoever wants to jump in here, run us through kind of how the plot came together for you and whether you followed it or got lost or anything like that and, and uh, how the murder mystery is, un, is uh, I guess, unraveled here. Yeah, I mean, I can, I, it, it, it seemed very – I have a thing. I don't, I'm not a very smart person, but I think I follow movies pretty well because I often think things are 
very easy to follow. And then I find out later everyone else was lost. I don't know. My brain kind of works that way. Like I thought Inception was overly obvious and annoyingly so. And then everyone was confused. It doesn't make me smarter. Everyone that is confused by it is smarter than me. I just have that weird. So it pieced together fine for me. I found it easy to follow. Um, but I, it kind of did that Arthur Conan Doyle thing where the obvious becomes, it's sort of a circular of, it seems obvious and you think something totally else and it comes back to kind of where you maybe were originally mm-hmm. thinking, mm-hmm. Um, which is always, always cool. Great, uh, great trope there. But um, yeah, no, it, it, the, the narrative worked, worked fine for me. Brian, what about you? Yeah, I, you know, my brain, I tend to not see those things particularly, but it's, it's almost like I, I don't look for it. I try not to look for it, I guess, um, for, to try to answer the mystery before the movie is ready to reveal the mystery to me, I guess. Um, this one was one that like, to me, it's, there were elements that were relatively predictable and, I, you know, I could kind of piece from, from a fairly early place. I was like, okay, I kind of, I see where this is probably headed, but to me, it's less about, you know, a and a to Z and more about what, you know, the steps that you take in between there and the, um, the ride of it, you know, it's like, if I sit down for even a mystery or a whodunit or whatever, if I can tell in 15 minutes, I know how this is going to end or I know who's going to end up being the culprit or whatever, but I, but the rest of the the movie is just so much fun or so enjoyable or so well done. Then I don't really care, um, and that's that's kind of how I felt on this. There's I I don't think I could have told you twist by twist how it was going to play out or anything. But I had a fairly good feeling of who was going to end up on on the end of this when it was all said and done, and that that was brought to fruition. But I don't care. Again, it's like this everything that happened through the course of this movie was so much fun that why, you know, why that doesn't take any knowing how this was going to kind of end up doesn't take anything away from it. Just the same as how knowing that 95% of the time in a superhero movie the superhero is going to win. That doesn't you know, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't make the take away from the enjoyment of the movie if the movie's good. And then, so that's how it was for me. And I, the the thing too was I don't think I anticipated at all uh, Anna de Armas being as fantastic as she is in the movie. And this seemed like... Wow, a, what a star, man. She was fantastic. Gosh. I mean, she just... She crushes on screen. And, I mean, I we walked out and my wife was like, who was that? Who? And I was like, well, she was in this and this. She was in Blade Runner 2049 and a couple other things. And I think in those... She was... In, I think she was in... Um, she in, she was in War Dogs that uh, Miles Teller and and that's one where you're like this movie is not very particularly good and I was super uninterested in a lot of what was happening but you can see her in this kind of bit part and be like that person she's got real potential as a star like she just she draws your eye and when she's when the camera focuses on her she really took advantage of of every frame that she had and then this movie it's like you know you've got you got Daniel Craig you've got Chris Evans you've got Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon and and Don Johnson and Tony and you're just like on down the list and Christopher freaking Plummer and and all this sort of stuff and then here she is and I mean goodness you know Daniel Craig is probably going to take the most um, going away as far as like gosh that was a he, that was a heck of a performance but the fact that honestly the fact that she was even in the same ballpark as him and 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 really was 
better than him on screen quite a bit is it says a lot about her. So anyway, that was a very long winded way to get to the plot stuff doesn't bother me, even if it is predictable because the steps along the way are so good. And I didn't see, I did not see the performance that she gave coming by any means, you know, I mean, it's pretty easy to say Daniel Craig's going to be a lot after having seen Logan lucky. It's pretty easy to say, Daniel Craig's going to be a lot of fun in this movie and I'm really going to enjoy him. And probably is not nearly as easy to predict how great she was in the movie. Yeah, a lot was said about the star power of this movie, but going out, I would say she's the star of the movie. You know, yeah. um, you know, going in, you wouldn't have put her in the top, right. even on the poster, maybe. You know, yeah. and um, that is a much more concise way to say what I just rambled through. So I apologize. Yeah, yeah there you you're, go. You're spot on. Yeah, <laughs> right, Eddie. Any <laughs> thoughts on that before I get a little more in depth on this? Uh, how it plays out? Sure. Yeah. Just real quick. I mean, I'm never good at like figuring out anything in a film because i just typically get really i'm so excited to be there for the ride you know mm-hmm. um that i i don't really think about it. but i saw it twice in a th- over a three-day span and um you know looking for uh, he just puts in things uh, that i didn't notice it's the kind of thing like when you watch a memento you know does it hold up when you watch it again and you know what you're looking for sort of thing and and there are lots of little things in there, like Jamie Lee Curtis was looking at the, her father's letters earlier and talking about the games that he played, and all of that just really made sense so much more mm-hmm. the the second time through. But um, in terms of uh, you know characters and star power and whatnot, uh, Chris Evans, I think this d- did a lot for him in that this is the antithesis of what we're used to from him. And so for him to even come on and, and have that role, I think is, is going to serve him well as a departure from, you know, the MCU going forward. Um, I was really pleased with that. And I will say I was totally sucked in uh, midway through when he was, you know, laying on the Chris Evans charm. I'm like, Oh wow. He's a really decent guy. I bought it <laughs> just completely bought it. And uh, almost bought it again the second time, even though I knew <laughs> that's real acting there. Yeah. I think he knew casting him in that role, people would assume he was a good guy given his, you know, status. It's, yeah. uh, it was cool to see that play out and, um, yeah, leave it to Ryan Johnson. Right. So, man, let's get into this a little bit. So the movie starts with this big party and Marta up bonding with, um, I guess it's uh, Christopher Plummer and his character's name is Harlan Thromby. Or Trombi. I don't know want to say Trombi or Thromby. I'm going to say Thromby. Um, and uh, she's got a great relationship with him, gives him his medicine. Uh, they're playing a game. She beats him in the game. Um, he gets mad, t- throws a, throws on the, uh, the board, and then uh, she realizes, oh, you know, I've, mix- I've messed up the, uh, the medicine. I've mixed them up. Oh, no. Um, how could I do this? And he's like, oh, my God. I'm going to die, but also you're going to be go to jail, which I don't want that for you. So here's what I'll do. I'll kill myself and you can leave and do this XX and X, which is, you know, I guess dress like him, go downstairs, do the whole thing and create an alibi for yourself. And um, everyone will think I'll kill myself and good. Right. Um, And uh, and so that all happens. And meanwhile, um, I guess it's ransom has found out about all that beforehand. And so um, we find out about that. And then um, she finds out that he finds out kind of midway through the movie. And then when I was talking about playing the cards early, the movie kind of twists from a whodunit to we know who did it now. 
is she going to get away with it before everybody finds out? Is she actually going to get the inheritance? Is are they going to frame her for the murder? You know, it, it like I mean, the, the mystery is kind of solved midway through, but the movie still kind of stays entertaining throughout and to the end. You know, even sure. though um, the main mystery is solved essentially for the audience, at least mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, so I, I really liked how that played out, and. Um, any thoughts on kind of how that's set up and, you know, from, from that, I guess that starting point, Brian, where did you, who did you think was going to be, um, responsible? You know, did you really think it would be Chris Evans, like setting this whole thing up? Like where, where did your gut instinct tell you like during the whole interrogation? You're like, ah, I bet, you know, I thought it was, um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis because of the, um, money, because she owed the money or she got the million dollar loan or whatever to start the real estate thing. I thought it was going to be some, like she wanted the money for some reason. I mean, obviously it was money, but I thought it was, it'd be more Mm. her character's motivation than, um, than ransom or whatever. But, um, what do you think about it? At a certain point, I don't know what exactly it was, but there was, there was a place at which I was like, okay, I, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's ransom. That's going to be this, or it's going to be, one of those that's such a twist that there's no way that the audience could have figured it out. Even if, you know, if we like, you know, turns out Mark Ruffalo was the eye the whole time. And you're like, well, that's not, no one could have seen that coming. That's not very interesting. It's just, uh, so I'm glad he didn't go that route. More than interesting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I'm glad that that didn't go that route. It just started to feel at some point like, okay, the only suspect here who, I think has the has a real real opportunity to do it and all this. Sort of, I, there was a point, there was a while f- where I thought it was going to end up being one of those things where, um, y- you know, like all of them murdered him. That it was like a, uh, well, I this one poisoned him and this one slit his throat and this, one, you know what I mean? Where it's like they all, they all, yeah, where they all think that they are the one who is responsible for murdering him or they had some hand in it or, or whatever. But when I, it started to, after a while, I started feeling, no, I think this is going to be a one person sort of thing. And it just seemed like he was the one that, dro- and you know, he's playing such a charismatic, likable character, but he was the only one that to me that was like you didn't really see any of the dark side up until the point where he he breaks. You you get the idea you get the idea that obviously he's a he's he's wasted his money and his opportunities and he's, you know, a playboy and all this sort of thing. But that's that's a little different than some of the other things that had come out on the other family members. So it felt like yeah. he had the most dark side to be revealed in the in the the yeah. final to me. Yeah, I think uh, Ryan Johnson did a good job painting that picture and making everybody yes. kind of a suspect, you know, so to speak. And uh, that made uh, made it for an entertaining reveal along the way. So um, the uh, the blackmail note uh, happens. Um, I guess the uh, I guess the toxicology thing happens. What did you think about this? Uh, maybe this is where you go from maybe a normal movie to an absurd kind of fun out of the box slapsticky almost where she pukes every time she tells a lie. <laughs> what did you think about that? I thought that was a great yeah. twist. And and that whole, the chase scene they had where she's like, uh, you know, or do you regret coming with me? And he's like, no, but I regret not taking the Beamer. <laughs> that yeah. was a, mm. a great line. But at that point in the film though, and I'm wondering if any, if any of you guys felt this way or, or maybe I'm just so cynical because I got to thinking, 
maybe maybe she actually put this whole thing together. Did anybody else think that at all? There was a place where I felt like that was what Ryan Johnson was kind of quietly putting out there. And I wish I would have, you know, thought to write down like, okay, that this is where, but but it it passed after a while, and it yeah yeah it, it became clear to me that part of Ryan, part of the intention with all of this and with this that character in particular, and you get it at the end because Daniel John, I mean, excuse me, Daniel Craig's straight up says it that this is that you're a good person and that that yeah. after a while that became clear that that was much more the intent on Ryan Johnson's part than anything else with that character at least was to show the the disconnect and the just the difference between all these other people who may be you know quote unquote good people or bad people I don't know whatever obviously at least one of them is a bad person but but there there's all layers of gray there versus an actual good person um which yeah. she is, and mm-hmm. that's what is being highlighted more often than not. But but you're totally right. There was a place where, again, I don't remember exactly where, but it, there was a point where I was like, maybe it, maybe this whole thing is going to be her having set all of them up to to do this. But um, I kind of liked that after after a few minutes of kind of letting that hang subtly, then then it gets back, it gets into a place where it's just like, let's just show what it, <laughs> how nice it is to to know to have like one good person in a movie you know what i mean yeah oh for sure i mean that that really gave it a lot of heart and that's that's something i tend to look forward you know anyway in a film and I, and I loved it that that actually was you know what it turned out to be but i'm thinking to myself my gosh i'm so cynical i'm waiting for this big twist where she's actually really evil and thank goodness it didn't come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah she does kind of end up winning though i mean you know in the end so she does it is and not that she was behind any of it but yeah if her goal was to get the inheritance in the end she did win you know win that uh win that battle um but even then she asked you know should i should i help these people you know even mm -hmm, after all of that and how terrible they've been to her 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 instinct is wow i i need to help these guys (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah man i really liked the uh my favorite twist, you know, was when she kind of confesses to the murder in front of the family, but then mm. <laughs> uh, Benoit Blanc like busts in and it's like, "No, it was a suicide," and like walks out, you know, <laughs> and, and like without saying anything, yeah. you know, it's so good. Um, that whole third act is so so the best part of the movie, easily, you know, as it yeah. should be with this kind of movie, but. The first and third act are easily the strongest, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. drags in the middle, Tad. Um, uh, you know where they're going with the whole email thing and trying to go meet the meet Fran, and mm-hmm. and that whole thing was uh, dragged a little bit there. But um, I also liked the uh, Hugh and you thing. Yes, I thought yes. that was very clever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know. I guess you could roll your eyes at that, but I like I like that. Um, no, I did too. Yeah, I thought that was fun because he did a lot of stuff like that throughout. And you kind of mentioned earlier, can't the having the characters tell their own version of the story throughout, and a lot most of the time in that you wouldn't, you know, it, you would see it from this character's perspective, and then when he's talking to that character, then you'd see it the exact same thing from their perspective, but the tone. Had changed. They'd be saying the exact same words, but the tone is different, and the 
you know, the mannerisms and the facial expressions and stuff. And so I think that that kind of led to the you Hugh thing fitting in quite perfectly. It didn't feel like a, an outlier because this whole movie is kind of, or at least the, the interrogation scenes of the, the first uh, third are really uh, kind of leading to that sort of thing where it's you know, the, it kind of puts in your brain the, the idea of, of interpretation and, and um, you know, hearing and the subtleties of all that. Yeah, man. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield is so great too. And good in everything. He's, he's number one in the Kent Garrison heat seekers chart right now. And, (laughs) you know, bet on him, hedge your bets on great things to come. He's in uncut gems coming out later this year as well. And, uh, and so we'll get to see more of Lakeith Stanfield. But man, what charisma and just like the yeah. camera loves that guy too. Um, yeah, big time. North American treasure, Christopher Palmer too, man. Gosh, yes. love that guy on screen so much. He's so regal. It's it's the best. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he got a few scenes to show off and to re- I mean he he fit the whole the tone and the motif really really well. Like he got that stuff. Uh, perfectly i i was a little concerned from the trailers knowing that he's the one that's gonna die that we would not get very much of him on screen but uh i i like to think ryan johnson got in the room with with christopher Palmer's like man we got to keep this guy around as much as possible because he's fantastic yeah the uh the end the ending for me was great with the uh the fake stabbing too with the the gag knife um I liked yeah. that setup that's never really explained why he had all those knives in that circular thing. Did they, I guess, just th- think of that as a cool setting to inter- interrogate these people? And, mm-hmm. and who interrogates, like, potential murderers right in front of a thing, a giant thing of weapons, too? You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they're, they're all props. Just, so. Yeah, they are <laughs> props, I guess. They can, they can react faster. That was fun too, though, because it, you know, we all talked about the whole the, the twists and turns and the the who who actually did the murder and all this sort of stuff, and that's what you're you're focused on. But when that happens, that's a pretty that's a great way to um, it's kind of smoke and mirrors to keep the audience from thinking about uh, that little that one little line that he says right as he's about to you know as he's taking his medicine right as he's about to die about not being able to recognize a prop versus a. I love that. I love that to me is almost more important in a lot of ways than, than the concept of like, well, could I figure out who the killer was or not? I, I love yeah. little things like that that are, um, are very obvious in hindsight, but, uh, you would never even think about them because there's so much else going on to distract you from that stuff. I thought that was really fun. Nice Frank Oz cameo too. As, as a, yeah. Yeah. as the lawyer. The family lawyer, uh, yeah, Christopher funny. Plummer's lawyer. <laughs> yeah, uh, good stuff, man. Eddie, do you have anything else? I just think that maybe we should have a separate uh, M Emmett Walsh section because he just makes <laughs> everything great. I yeah, love that guy so much, and seeing him—he wasn't originally supposed to be in the film. Yeah, uh, but the, the other the other actor uh, passed away, and they brought him in, and I just I just love to see him on screen so much. He just always brings something to it, and I thought he was perfect. Yeah, well, I wanted, wanted to touch a little bit on the um, uh, the ending with uh, 
with the, uh, I guess, medicine mix-up, you know. I, I really mm-hmm. liked the, uh, the the proving that Marta was a good person. Yeah. Or, you know, with the, uh, she couldn't, her subconscious wouldn't let her mix up the medicine because of the viscosity of the mm-hmm. thing. I liked that, too. Just that uh, little inclusion in there. Because yeah. um, that is probably in real life, you know. You rewind it in your mind. Those those things do come into play, you know. Just the mm-hmm. the repetition mm-hmm. of doing something every day like yes. that, and right. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Absolutely. I want I want more Benoit Blanc. I want to. Yeah. I I love Sherlock Holmes, and I love these kinds of of uh, of stories, and especially if you have a charismatic lead like that, and mm-hmm. and I, I he's so much about him is unexplained. You know, like why is he hitting that one key on the piano for no reason? Just kind of weirdly. <laughs> uh, like, okay. <laughs> It's kind of yeah. defines his character. Uh, I, I like that a lot. And um, man, Knives Out was uh, was everything I wanted it to be. Um, few complaints that I did mention, but other than that, man, good to see Ryan Johnson return to form, and and hopefully he can continue doing this. But I'm sure with this success, he's going to get a, almost his free share to do anything other than Star Wars. So uh, it's good to see. But you know, this might leapfrog him back into Star Wars. You know. Um, who knows? But uh, I'm about ready to hit a grade on this. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Brian Gill, we'll start with you. I'm going to go with a straight A. That'll probably put it in my top five of the year for sure. And even some of the movies that I, I think maybe are are better movies that may finish ahead of it at the top. And very few of them are going to be as rewatchable as this is and were as much fun in the theater as this one was. This was just... You know, I saw this like on Black Friday with my wife's family and the in a packed theater that uh, of people who who got it. You know, it was a it was a fun crowd to be with. That always helps with this kind of thing when you don't want to feel like you're the only one who's laughing at the the bits and stuff. Um, yeah, it did play really well in a theater. Yeah, a lot of funny, it, it hit funny really moments. well. It just it just had like we kind of said at the outset. You don't. There's not a lot of these movies made. And they have sort of their own unique feel to them. And that played in the audience. It felt like everyone in the theater was just kind of like, man, this is cool. Like, isn't this nice? This is totally different than what we we normally get. And I I think that's, I don't know if it's important or not, but it certainly made it fun. And and I had a a blast with this movie. So I I definitely expect this will be in my top 10 of the year at the end of the year, if if not higher. Uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. We didn't Richard, even talk about uh, just to say we didn't even talk about yeah. um, what's his what's his name from Bill from It like weird Nazi um, pervert kid oh. you know <laughs> that was a great was hilarious yeah um, this had a very Tenenbaums vibe to it too yeah just with the weird personalities uh-huh. of the family um, to me Michael Shannon was the funniest part of the movie he was so daggum funny and you don't it's funny you don't think of him as if a comedian you yeah. know. Um, but I laughed so much at him in this movie, but, uh, that's one of the main takeaways is Michael Shannon, the, the, the comedian. I Um, like him against cast way more than I do in cast. Like the, he's, he's, uh, he's got a little bit more to him than what he, I get kind of beaten with the intense Michael Shannon that he does. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's kind of a beating. This is, it was fun to see him in, in this while you can tell that, 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 sort of classic Michael Shannon intensity is boiling under the surface. And that made it more fun because he's just, and cause he's kind of an imbecile on top of everything else. So it was, it was uh good times for him. Richard, what about you? What's your grade? 
Yeah, I'm going to go just a, a straight A as well. I really enjoyed this. Really had fun with it. Love the cast. Love that it wasn't super obvious casting mm-hmm. uh, and just had a, had a great time with it. It was fun to see all those people interact and kind of uh, it made a nice little gumbo. Now we got a stew going. All <laughs> right, Eddie, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to have to go, I think, um, A+. Plus, um, like nice. Brian said, it's definitely going to be my top five, I'm certain, for the year. Uh, I think it could be an A, but just the fact of the uh, the details of all the – just the little bits that he got in with the writing of it, in addition to just yeah. what a fun ride it was for me, that that just makes it an A plus. And he made me like a genre that I typically don't care for. Oh, I That's guess good. you're you're not in for the uh, murder on the uh, Orient Express too. That's oh, yeah, murder on the <laughs> what's Nile. what's it called? The uh, murder on the Nile or something? Yeah, death West on the Nile. Nile. Death on the Death Nile. On the Nile. Yeah, there it is. Nile. See, that's why we have guests. That's <laughs> yeah, we clearly don't know what we're talking about. So. Um, I was so, researching. Yeah. So for me, um, right now it's right outside the top five, my top five at number six. Um, mm. Now, just to be clear, Nymphomaniac did not come out this year. Oh, okay. Well, so. then it's it's <laughs> number yeah, it's up two spots because I have okay. parts one and two in my. Okay. In my top five. Um, so, yeah, it's number <laughs> four, it looks like, on my list now. Is that a number six? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's tentative. I'll probably watch this again before we finalize the list, and that'll sure. come into play. Yeah. But, yeah, insanely rewatchable. Um, I would say maybe the other the, the movies ahead of it, just maybe I had a more visceral reaction to them first seeing them first um, this year than this. I just like this was just like a really steady, fun movie, you know, from Mm. frame one to frame the ending. It was just a really fun, easy ride. And and I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to give this an A as well. Solid A. Um, I'm so happy to say that, too, because this Mm -hmm. was one I was anticipating at the beginning of the year and hoped it would be what the cast um I guess you expect from a cast this this great, and uh, you know I didn't even. I think I gave Murder in the Orient Express like a C. You know, and I just thought that was so boring, mm. and uh, I understand it's different, and you got to stick to the source material somewhat. But um, I do think you can have a lot of fun with these if they're done right. You know, I mean, this one didn't go too far. I think Clue. Remember Clue when it came out? There was like six different endings, and so yeah. No matter, depending on the theater you went to, you got a different ending. You know, I, I would love to see that done in scale again with something mm-hmm. like this. It would be mm-hmm. really cool to see, you know. Uh, maybe we each talk about which ending we saw would have been cool or fun. Sure. Um, but, yeah, that's Knives Out. It's still playing, and uh, I'm sure it will be in the awards conversation when it comes to writing, at least, an uh, Oscar season. So uh, it will come out towards the end of the year. See it, and um, I'm sure we spoiled it for you if you haven't seen it so sorry about that <laughs> yeah but um, we did warn you yeah we're gonna move on and hit a quick weekly recommend before we get out of here weekly recommends so uh we'll start with our guest eddie what are you gonna recommend uh i'm not sure if you guys have talked about this or that you're going to talk about it but i saw it last week um uh, uh, jojo rabbit uh oh, I, yeah. I can't recommend that film enough um i know that's a lot of controversy about it but it's just uh that the one of those peter rabbit sequel or prequel <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty a controversial. i do i do i did hear that yeah yeah it's the with the uh, you know the, the hitler rabbit uh but no i mean it's it's just <laughs> it's just 
<laughs> yeah. Um, didn't see that coming. Uh, it's, it's just an amazing film. It shouldn't work. It really shouldn't yeah. work. Uh, and it does. And he is able to take you from very high comedy to just the depths of despair and back several times throughout the film. And it, to me, and I, I get it that it didn't work for everyone, but for me, yeah, it was never jarring. And uh, I mean, there were people in in the theater that I where I saw it uh, that were at turns actually visibly weeping uh, mm-hmm. and then just laughing hysterically. And I, I just I really think that's just a, a really brilliant film. So I can't recommend that one highly enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm big. I think I'm the only one that's that's seen it so far. I don't I don't I don't know if you've seen it yet, Kent or Richard, but. Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm very high. It's Can't it's also to. in my my top five or or somewhere somewhere close in that range. It's it's very good. Yeah, and that was me by the way crying. I just I just go across <laughs> the country from theater to theater crying in every movie. So I, I couldn't tell from the line art illustrations. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> never tell. Awesome, good, good recommend. It's a good recommend. Yeah, what do you got, Brian? Uh, I'm gonna recommend a doc that's on Netflix. Uh, I think it hit a festival maybe last year but certainly earlier this year uh but i really i really enjoyed it i i, I think uh you guys would like it too can't richard i don't know about you eddie i don't know if you're in this camp or not but it's called echo in the canyon um and it is just about it's about the beach boys and the the birds and the mamas oh, and yeah. the papas and that whole era of pop rock or whatever you want to call it uh, from that time and it's yeah. uh it's jacob dylan is the would you say, Kenzie, the, the host of the documentary? I don't know. He's the yeah, he kind of leads the thing, uh, yeah. kind of puts it together, put it together, and narrates a little bit, and yeah, sure. So he's kind of narrating. He's doing. He's interviewing uh, members of those bands as well as people like Tom Petty and and others who um, were you know just big fans of the band. And it's kind of intercut with footage from this concert that they did. That was Jacob Dylan and Beck and Rebecca Spe- uh, Regina Spector, excuse me, and uh, who else? Tori Amos, like a few others that just really big names that got together and did this uh, concert. Fiona Apple, yeah, Fiona Apple, not and uh, and sang the songs and and performed and stuff. And it was it's really it's a very it's an easy watch. It's I mean, it's also very entertaining. And um, I love Jacob Dylan's voice um, more than Jacob Dylan's music. I think and and it was yep. a. <laughs> It's kind of a strange oh, reminder of like, all oh, right, this guy's one, like one, two, three really... Marlenas, and you're out, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but his—I mean, he's just such an effortless uh, vocalist and stuff, and and I'd kind of forgotten that because you just, you know, you don't ever really see it. But it's—it's—it was a good mix of like, here's here's some information I didn't know, here's some stuff I did know, but was presented in a really interesting and and compelling way, and then the intercuts with the music was great too. So I loved it. It was v- very entertaining and and easy to watch, like I said. So. Echo in the Canyon on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, RB. Yeah, I'll go along with this uh, kind of the theme of it with a little whodunit. There is a new, relatively new, within the last year or two, audiobook. It's an Audible original. It's an endeavor, but you can break it up and, and do it over, you know, kind of listen to it for a while and then put it away for a while. It's like 60 hours. But it's uh, Stephen Fry doing uh, the complete Sherlock Holmes canon. It's all mm. the short stories in the novel. And he's excellent at it. He writes little forewords for it. And I've been kind of like, I'll listen to one of the novels, and I'll listen to another book for a while, and then I'll listen to a few, you know, I've been kind of picking away yeah. at it. Uh, but it's it's excellent. It's the best kind of audio production of it that I've ever heard. So along with this Knives Out uh, whodunit, the ultimate in whodunit in, uh, in Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, what a master, and those stories hold up so well. And to hear them performed, 
almost Shakespearean, you know, that it kind of elevates off the page and it's actually a really good audio experience. So I recommend that it's a lot of quality content for one audible credit. So, uh, <laughs> I would, I would, I would recommend it highly. And you can speed it up a little bit. You don't have to go crazy like me with my 1.5, but you can probably go 1.25 and maybe knock down that 60 hours to 45 or something. Nice. Good. That's a good, uh, good wreck. Good, uh, relevant wreck. Yeah. Uh, mine's not relevant at all, but, um, it probably won't come up. Um, I mean, maybe next year it would if we do 25 years, but um, uh, I guess of the sequel. But I haven't seen this movie in, I don't know, a decade or two uh, at least, and rewatched it, I guess, uh, maybe a week or two ago uh, and really enjoyed enjoyed it and forgot how clever and well-written it was. Uh, Father of the Bride with Steve Martin and Diane nice. Keaton. Classic. Uh, classic rom-com. Martin Short, man. And Martin Short, yeah. It's like I forgot the narration and how good that is and, you know, how picture-perfect, like, the town is that they live in and, and all those elements that they're trying to create. They do a really good job of it. And it was, I guess, kind of the last Steve Martin <laughs> at his peak, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so it just reminds you, you how great he— obviously didn't see that Jack White or I did. Jack Black. No, uh, I'm saying that. In, bird watching. I did. Film. I saw it, yeah. Um <laughs> I'm the only one that saw it. Uh, it was the the big year. Owen alone. Wilson was in it. Too. Yeah, Kent yeah. alone in a huge theater. Yeah. With I did bird not watching, see that in a theater. Bird watching binoculars on the screen. Yeah. Why isn't anyone here? Yeah. Got to support. It's just um, you and Jonathan Franzen. And the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good joke I just made that no one's going to get. Strong. But trust everyone, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing that more great comedies didn't come along and. 25 plus years since these films that have really highlighted him, what he brings to the table. And it's good to see that. And the movie holds up really well. Um, as well as the sequel. I mean, we can talk father of the bride part two next year nice. uh, for, for yeah. 25 years. It, it was 95 that one. Um, so, so yeah, the go, if Let's you're curious about the rewatch, go, go back and do it. Good, good date night movie. And uh, really, really funny. Um, and memorable and, and sweet and all that. So, Father of the Bride. Check Cut it out. the cock. Good stuff. Franck. Franck is great. <laughs> B.D. Wong is great in them, too. And, yeah. And Kieran Culkin. Uh, <laughs> uh, love it. So, uh, yeah. Give me, Brad give Paisley's Father wife. Of the bride. Yeah. Right. And Brad, yeah, she married Brad Paisley and then <laughs> retired from life. Yeah. That's what okay. she do. Yeah. Nationwide she's is on your side. Nationwide. Yeah, <laughs> she's got that FU nationwide money. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, Eddie, it's been real, man. Thanks for coming on the uh, podcast and uh, being a VIP, man. It's been awesome. I really appreciate it. It was a blast. Awesome. Hey, come well, back. Well, yeah, well, I'd love to have you back and definitely uh, stay with us on the Discord and all those perks of the VIPs, the AMAs, and all that. We're, we're excited to have you there and continue this conversation. But, um, Excellent. Brian, if I was to look for you on the Internet and follow you, where would that be? Uh, you would like to go to the Twitter at bgill12 for for the, sh the the time being until I can claim my real name on Twitter soon. Uh, you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter, which will be out in a couple weeks. I love Richard, to think that, <laughs> Brian, I love to think that there's like a another Brian Gill out there that's like got his finger on it just too. Sitting you know, on it. Just yeah. like, yeah, an arms race. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be so funny. Um, Richard, Richard, what about you, man? Richard, uh, 
Richard is isn't here, oh. but you can find him at Richard Barden on Twitter. Richard died. Um, Sorry, that's a very easy answer. Yeah. So I'll take care of that for him. Um, <laughs> you can find me on the Twitter at Kent Garrison and uh, find our show MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. And if you want more episodes from us, join Eddie over in that VIP. And uh, it's been good. We just dropped our seventh Harry Potter episode of the year, and we'll be dropping the final Deathly Hallows conclusion episode at the end of December so right now is a great time to get on board listen to all seven of those previous ones as well as all of our past AMAs and and previous episodes as a VIP it's a great little Black Friday Cyber Monday Christmas gift whatever you want to do gift that to yourself or your friend and and share the episodes we don't care download them do whatever um (laughs) We, it, yeah. it's really uh, we we just want the interaction with uh, the people that really listen to the show and support us. So, yeah. thanks for and that, hey, Eddie. I always and being like a part to throw that. that out there too. By mm-hmm. the way, just in case you're wondering, if you sign up for the VIP club, you don't just get what we publish from here on out. You get right. access to everything that we've done. You get a new feed, and you will have. I don't know, 150 episodes in there, something yeah. like that. So, oh, I'm definitely... still going through them. 90 90 sure. percent of which are throwback movies, yeah. old movies, yeah. like so, you know, that we yeah. kind of timeless, more more evergreen content yeah. um, over there. So we get that question a lot. So I always like to, if I get a chance to answer it here, I'll I'll say it. It's it's not just what's coming. It's it's what we have published over the the two and a half years that we've had that feed. So. Hey man, yeah, go go. Uh, sign up and download everything and then cancel who cares go for it have at it we just want you guys to be able to hear that and uh, enjoy that so so have at that and we will uh we'll really enjoy uh people that interact on the discord and and uh and on those pages so shout out to them and we will see you later in the week we got uh i guess the santa claus review coming which will be good for for around christmas time we're gonna talk crazy heart as well and we got a special VIP vote movie that's uh, going to be mm-hmm. being reviewed there as well. So awesome. Thank you so much uh, for being here and listening. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on the old iTunes and hit that subscribe. And until next week, I think we're talking The Irishman, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, from Scorsese and Co. Um, we will see you at the cinema or on the Netflix. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya ya Silence is They're calling again.